137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 56 of Pixelated Paranormal, your guides to the unusual and the strange. Um, we've been kind of doing a series of shows about the Paranormal Highway and the 37th Parallel and all that, and we decided to take a detour on that little uh, road trip because we have a special guest on this episode and uh, if you'd like to say hello to everybody. Who are you talking to? This was my damn show. <laughs> <laughs> Special guest, my ass. All right. Who, who put the, who put, uh, who put cranky grandpa <laughs> the in the car? <laughs> yeah. we picked up, Back in my day. We picked up a hitchhiker on this road trip, and uh, it's an old familiar. First off, <laughs> the exaggerations about my death. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so we took a detour and picked up Rod from the retirement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. The rumors of my death are highly exaggerated. <laughs> also, I have just basically retired from podcasting. I didn't have a debilitating injury or sickness or anything like that. I just had delivered dementia. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Dementia. I couldn't remember how words work. They're tough. They're tough. Yeah, dude. Um, we we've got Rob <laughs> back on this episode. You uh, you jump back in the old. Uh, what kind of car do we drive, Preston? We had a whole car shtick going for a while. Uh, like a nineteen fifty nine Cadillac with a fucking fin. Yeah, we we pushed all your shit mm-hmm. to the side, Rob, and let Steve. We sit could totally back. afford that gas mileage <laughs> on these highways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trump's America. It's not baby. the. Per- this, was it like was it like vacation? Did you guys like put me on the roof of the car in time? I down? mean, we didn't drag you from a drive. leash behind it. I like to Step imagine up. like it was kind of more like a mobster style. We just kind of threw you in the trunk. <laughs> we left you at a diner. So I guess we're not driving a holiday road. I was going to say we're not driving the, the paranormal Prius, huh? Yeah. The Prius. <laughs> What's cool, we've kind of got the whole band together for this episode, and that's uh, that's exciting stuff. And we've been we've been doing kind of the, the 37th parallel stuff, Rob, you know, talking about uh, cattle mutilations and the Joplin lights and we're not really straying too far off course because the stuff we're talking about tonight, it's really on the 39th parallel for those of you nerds keeping track of all this stuff. Um, so we're not too far off course. So that's pretty cool. But we're going to we're gonna jump into a topic that Rob was wanting to talk about for a while, and that is the Denver airport and all the strange mysteries and shit that follow through that. So, mm. yeah. So I say we just – we skip the pleasantries and just jump right into it. Does that sound good? Sweet. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll do some news first off. And I picked up this story today, actually, and it made me giggle because it sounds like something Preston might do. But a, uh, a bomb squad got called after paranormal investigators in Canada forgot to take home a ghost hunting device and left it inside a building. <laughs> <laughs> paranormal <laughs> investigators in Windsor, Ontario, say they are sorry for getting... I've been there. Have you really? Yeah, Windsor is uh, right across the uh, uh, one of those lakes up in Michigan. It's right if you come through Detroit oh, cool. area, you go right into Windsor. Oh yeah. Well, these people went to do a ghost hunt, and apparently they left an EMF detector 
um, in the building. So <laughs> after people were kind of doing a sweep and just, you know, randomly walking through, they found it. And they called the police to McKinsey Hall, the uh, historical building where this happened. And they thought there was a bomb. So longer story shorter, um, officers from the Windsor Police Explosive Disposal Unit attended the scene and were able to render the package as safe. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So this reminds me of like Egon from the Ghostbusters, like making some homemade device and leaving it behind. Right. And everybody in New York freaking the fuck out. Right. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Yeah, they said that um, it's supposed to be one of the biggest hotspots for paranormal um, activity in Windsor. And so they went to check it out and they just actually hear it. It says it's a electromagnetic field sensor is what it is. So, I mean, that's an EMF detector, right? Yeah. I, probably. <laughs> Preston seems to think so. A little bit more powerful. You know, it's like a bigger box, but, uh, huh. you know, it's not as sensitive to like cell phone and uh, power outlets and things like that. So it's not going to be like that uh, ghost tour at the Eureka Springs where the lady like holds the EMF meter over the phone like, oh, my God, it's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah, they said that they had no intentions of leaving it behind. It was a complete accident. They basically planned to uh, get in, do their business and leave. And they apologized to anybody who was affected. It was not their intention. And they finish by saying, we will still go over the evidence. We may have some stuff. I believe we do. <laughs> I hope you do. Because if not, sayonara. Well, Steve, uh, what do you got, man? What would you bring to the table? Cool. Uh, well, so everybody here has heard of Uber. You know, mm -hmm. it's where you want to go somewhere and have somebody basically text you around. Yeah. Now, what if there was a human Uber? And what I mean by that is, what if you could hire someone to do all your lame-ass meetings that you go to at your job <laughs> or any kind of interaction that's just mundane and you have to do the exact same thing. Okay, so... The, just sign me the fuck up right so, now. <laughs> so the way, the way this I'm works... tired of work meetings. Yeah. The way this works is basically you wear a bicycle helmet with a tablet attached to your head. <laughs> and your, your face is on the tablet. It's basically a Skype call with a like with a room full of people mm -hmm. but you can uh the person wearing the bicycle helmet the motorcycle helmet they have like a um like a visor in there it's like a kind of like a vr thing and then you can like type text to what they're supposed to say to certain things so like this doesn't this kind of doesn't make sense to me so basically you walk into a meeting you sit down with eight eight to ten people and you guys are discussing something and they ask you what do you think and the person that you, your surrogate they sit there with this visor <laughs> with, the, with the tablet on there, and you're still interacting with the meeting. You're just not there. Right. So maybe it's like a different way to multitask, I guess. I don't I know. I mean, it's a way to have your, you know, quarter summit at your job and not have to wear pants. Yeah. And you just like lay on the couch with fucking Netflix on mute. Yeah. Or it's a good way to come to your friend's 24-hour gaming streaming. Yeah, yeah. Because your job doesn't yeah. allow you. And to it also allows you to transmit voice. So basically this, this surrogate is just um, um, moving your tablet for you. Basically. That's all, that's all they're doing. It's a dude who's wearing an iPad on his face and he's lifting heavy couches and shit for you. And you're just like, oh, yeah. nice, <laughs> nice apartment, Steve. <laughs> Pretty nice yeah. place you got here. There's This is this is, I thought this was pretty funny. So like we all play video games here and one of the – Best video game, uh, kind of like choice trial and error weirdness is Hitman, in my opinion. Uh -huh. And this reminds me of something that could happen in Hitman. It says, in one pilot test, Rikamoto, which is the guy that's inventing this, and his colleagues sent a chameleon mask. That's what they're calling it, by the way. 
wearing surrogate to a government office to obtain a document on a remote user's behalf. It's unclear from footage whether document fetching mission was a success, but the mildly confused office clerk readily addressed the face he saw on the screen rather than the surrogate. Like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give this this hype this like high sensitive material of government secrets to some random dude but, that just has your face on it. You know how easy it'd be to hack that. Here's, thing? <laughs> here's the thing too. Here's the thing as well. They don't know if it was successful or not. Yeah. How do they not know if the guy went and got it? So did he get murdered when he tried right. to leave? Yeah. They're like, sir, we need you to come with us. No, no, it's not really me. No. Yeah. Ah. What if you like, what if you did that and you went to some like really high security meeting and they're like, uh, we're sorry, Masamoto. You weren't supposed to hear all that. <laughs> so you just get a bloody iPad or no, no, no the person. Yeah, the person that's on the iPad is the one supposed to hear it. So the surrogate, whoever the hell the surrogate is, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're done. Like, I mean, he's hearing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like it's not it's it's not confidential. Do you at that make point. him sign the NDA? I as mean, well? you yeah. have to because that's that's what I'm getting at. Like, what if like you're the surrogate and you're walking out of there like, oh god, oh god, what did I just hear? They're like, uh, excuse me, sir, you're gonna have to stay here. And then fucking Mr. Miramoto gets a bloody iPad email or you know UPSed back to him. <laughs> <laughs> And he's just like, well, I guess I saved 50 bucks. Yeah, that shit's hilarious. Yeah, it's crazy. But anyway, I thought that was interesting because we watch all these Black Mirror shows and stuff like that. And I could easily see something something like this happening. You know, like people just using something like that if they're lazy. You know, If you don't want to help your friend oh, uh, move his couch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Back to the Future, that's how McFly got fired. Like, the doorbell rings. And oh, yeah. And he's like, McFly fired. And then he oh. shuts the door. <laughs> and then you got that dot that dot matrix fax printer in the background. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, I mean, I think it's just a matter of time before that shit kind of happens to us. So, Yeah. Well, speaking of government officials, you know, making people vanish – do you guys remember back in February when we talked? It was right around probably Valentine's Day. There was that CDC employee, that um, epidemic specialist who disappeared. Do you, you guys recall yeah, that? Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. So, I think so. As a quick refresher, back around like February 12th, this um, CDC employee had complained that he wasn't feeling very well and he excused himself and he went home for the day. And his name was Timothy Cunningham. And they said it was strange because he just basically went home sick, and which that's terrifying on its own. If you're an epidemiologist or studying, you know, super dangerous diseases, and you're like, oh, I have a really bad case of the shits, I'm going to go home for the day. I think they should quarantine you, maybe in that line of work. Mm -hmm. But he uh, he -hmm. went home, and family reported they didn't hear from him. And they found it very strange because they went to his house and got in with a spare key and like his key and his phone and his dog were all home, but he was nowhere to be found. Well, seven weeks later, they have discovered the body floating in the Chattahoochee River in Atlanta. And they have. Did he look like the Toxic Avenger? <laughs> 
Sorry, that's, that's, text a picture talks to us. Yeah. God. Well, okay. Sorry. So jokes aside, that's something that uh, Shayla asked me when I, she asked about, you know, what's your news story for the night? And I'm like, well, you know, they found this guy's body. And she's like, seven weeks he disappeared. Seven weeks ago he disappeared. What's his body look like if they just found him in the river? You know, of course, and that's the first. See, I'm not the only weird one. <laughs> right. Shayla wants to know too. <laughs> probably like all bloated, nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime bodies and uh, bodies in water, it's only always bloaty and. Yeah. Uh, seven weeks. Yeah. Especially. If, oh, never, never mind. Probably looks like Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's what's really strange. And there's not really any explanation as to what happened to him yet, other than they have just come forward and said that he drowned, although they may never know what led him to the water. He was probably looking for some hoochie coochie. Way down yonder. <laughs> down by the Chattahoochee. <laughs> I mean, we never really knew how much that muddy water meant to him. <laughs> I think I'm going to find that song and put it in the background of the story. Rob, look at Rob bringing the music knowledge tonight. No kidding. He loves his fucking Alan Jackson, doesn't he? <laughs> we should get you out of the nursing home more often, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to tell you guys a thing or two or a thing or two about comedy. All right, Mr. Robert, we're going to go put you on the talkie phone with your friends. The talkie. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there was a GoFundMe set up. There was a, I think, $10,000 reward with any information about his disappearance. And, um, I mean, unfortunately, here we are. They had, like, helicopters. They were searching cemeteries, hospitals, jails. They were canvassing okay. all over. That's... That's all great and everything, but did we know what we happened don't. to him? We don't, and that's the strange thing, Rob, and that's why... Did he, did he, like, I mean, did he maybe go off himself? Well, okay. Because he had other shit um, going on, too? Or, I mean, I don't think the Chattahoochee is near where the CDC is. Where was this guy at? The um, CDC? I, I don't remember uh, now. I thought it actually would have set in here. I want to say it was in Atlanta. I guess the Chattahoochee probably... Yeah, I there. would think... I was thinking it was Tennessee's area, but I don't know. I would have thought it took place in Atlanta, too. Okay, but this is a strange thing, and I'm glad you asked that, Rob, because in the original story, I read the original story at like three or four different websites, and they all said the same thing. Now, when you actually read the follow-up to them discovering the body, they now mention the fact that he went home ill shortly after being passed over for a promotion. Okay, the Chattahoochee River isn't it is uh, southern half of Alabama and Georgia border, but I was thinking the CDC was in it. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. Where is the CDC at? I don't know. I just said I thought it was in Atlanta, <laughs> but I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to follow up. I thought it was in Washington. So, no, it's not in Washington. Hmm. It's it's somewhere it's somewhere where you would expect it. Hmm. Atlanta. Yeah, Northwest Wichita, Atlanta, Kansas. Well, Somebody so, got Google. Look it up. Which is which is in the southern, which is north of the southern half of Alabama. Yeah, right? that's true. That's a long distance. But the man was African American. Yes. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I was gonna say maybe he's from Alabama. I don't know. It's weird, right? I, doesn't make any sense to me. That's kind of scary. Right. Yeah. Well, so the first stories don't mention the idea of him being upset or, you know, in a bad state of mind from not getting the promotion he thought he was going to get. But all of a sudden that seems to be kind of in the forerunning paragraphs about this story. He had went home ill, quote, ill um, after being passed over on a promotion. 
And then, of course, I'm, I'm happy, Rob, that you're on the episode because this directly relates back to a lot of the missing 411 stuff we talked about. Again, he's a, you know, not middle-aged. He's a younger um, male in his 30s, 20s to 30s, found floating in a body of water. Mm-hmm. And, like, they didn't say what kind of condition the body was in, so we don't know if it was just, you know, a, a jogger found him, actually. There was a jogger out, and he discovered the body, and so he called the police, and that's when they, you know, identified him after they. Re- it was two fish fishermen found him. Really? See, the story I read said it was a jogger reported seeing it. It says uh, when two fishermen called nine one one to report a body. Strange. It was in very difficult terrain, very difficult to access the location of where Mister Cunningham was found. Stafford said it was a remote area that not easily accessible by walking trails, by vehicle, or by people just being around there. Ah. Oh, that's got 411. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Like someone should check that guy's body for alcohol content, because a lot of the adults in Missing 411 are found with like a shit ton of alcohol in their system. Yeah, and weird puncture marks in their eyeballs and all sorts of other strange stuff. Stafford couldn't say whether the body had been in the area when it was canvassed on February 23rd. It could have been there, or it could have moved, moved there later. Huh. There's just no way to tell due to the rise and fall of yeah, the river. Yeah, that's true, because they said that he was found near the banks. Um, now, this is strange, and Preston, you're the forerunner on this mystic shit. Um, they said that he was wearing his favorite mm-hmm. jogging shoes when he was found, and he had three crystals in one of his pockets. Ooh. Noting that he was a collector of crystals, so... I don't know, plot thickens, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'm imagining, like, right now, <clears throat> like uh, like Stephen King's uh, The Stand, like, you know, he, he got some weird, you know, virus that the government cooked up in him, and then he was, like, you know, trying to escape and run across country and then died in the middle of the fucking yeah, river. Yeah, could have been. Um, or, ooh, I mean, if you worked at the CDC, the first thing we all think of is, holy crap, what if he got infected and, and then fell into a river, you know, a water supply, what happens now? Do we have a case of cabin fever, that yeah. movie by Eli Roth on our hands? Yeah. Uh, or the, um, like, this, this happened back in February, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they just found the body 11 hours ago. Yeah, yeah, it was found uh, earlier today. Oh, no signs of foul mm-hmm. play. But no toxicology report yet uh, either. Well, one thing we can be sure of, though, is those uh, good luck crystals didn't work. But what's crazy, in the past couple uh, months, haven't we had like a really crazy outbreak of flu stuff? Two different strains of it or whatever? Blue stuff. Flu. Oh, flu. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> blue, blue stuff. stuff. You know, like with all the, like, the flu warnings and everybody. Huh. And then now they're saying that since influenza's. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, you're right. There was. I mean, of course, the, the flu mutates every year. That would be my counter argument is the flu mutates every year. But, yeah, I mean, they said, what, this year the, the shots were 30% effective? Yeah. Yeah. CDC epi- epidemiologists found dead weeks after going missing. Drowning suspected. Mm-hmm. But it'd be funny if they pull him out of the water and he's got no water in his yeah, lake. Yeah, I don't know. Of course, you find a guy in the lake or the river or wherever, and you're going to assume, yeah, he drowned. That's going to be your first cause. But uh, So it says uh, about a week before his disappearance, Cunningham was told by his supervisor he would not be getting a promotion. Uh, the explanation was given to him February 12th, but February 12th, which is a Monday, the day he went missing. 
But somebody else said he had been upset and told coworkers he was upset by the decision and left work soon after learning the news. However, he also had called in sick the two previous work days on February 8th and February 9th. Hmm. So that would have been the Thursday okay. and Friday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday is when it happened. And they said mm-hmm. they have stressed to investigators that or investigators have stressed they have not uncovered any evidence that Cunningham if I could only read, they have not uncovered evidence that Cunningham's promotion snub was directly linked to his disappearance. And they're currently open to any and all possibilities. There are theories about his disappearance, including one dubious story on a website that said Cunningham disappeared amid warnings that his patients were dying from a botched flu vaccine. Oh, shit, Steve. What up? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This is weird. I mean, you know, it's around that season. (laughs) Yeah, but then, of course, CDC says, no, he has no access to classified material. Thus, he would not be the type of person to have that information. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I mean tons of speculation. This article goes on and on and on. Um, but there's nothing else really of, I think, of value there I think, anymore after that. So we'll follow up again on it more, but that's bizarre. If I ever worked a position like that or any kind of like government position, I would like make like – I'd make like just like a manila envelope uh-huh. of just weird shit. So if I ever went missing, they'd find that and it would just – that would be my legacy. Like, just like all this weird shit. None of it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you are reading this. We were working on the DNA of an alien creature that was found in the plains of New shit. Mexico after a space spacecraft crashed into the side of the mountain. Uh, it had seven appendages. And, just think about um, it, dude. You'd be all over the podcast. That dude, um, that dude we talked about last episode. He'd, he'd come and investigate you. You just make up random stuff. Be like, yeah, yeah. Like there was this field. Hell, hell, yeah. In Kansas, on the highway, <laughs> and that's where the that's where I buried the remains. They don't know about it, you know. Like, just just get everybody out there trying to find shit. <laughs> no shit. The big, <laughs> biggest. <laughs> I would just put nothing but a cassette tape with me saying <laughs> the phrase "Look to the east in three days," yeah. and a note that says, "If you found this, then they're here." <laughs> Oh man! First of all, it would, how long would it take somebody to struggle to find a tape player to play the fucking tape? <laughs> <laughs> I put it on a mini disc. Yeah. Yeah. A you floppy disc. A, put it on a PSP f- disc. UMD. <laughs> if, if I've disappeared, play I'm me. Like uh, that show, Thirteen Reasons Why. Like they only had like they had one tape deck. They had to pass around to all the kids. <laughs> like, oh man, that'd be that'd be so hard these days. Yeah. Oh shit, man! And Preston's over here. Oh, I'm gonna get it actually put into a record, and they're gonna have to. Pay. Yeah, um, uh, it's not vinyl, so <laughs> fuck your three days to the east. <laughs> I'm going to the record store in three days. Fuck you. <laughs> oh man. Well, Rob, man, I think you brought a little something for us, huh? Yeah, we got a little bit of Rob's robots. <laughs> I forgot to bring the story up because I was reading about the guy that disappeared. And it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Coming at you from the 37th parallel from the basement of a mad scientist. It's more fantastical tales of robots. Freebo. 
a robot for people who live alone. So, um, apparently, uh, in the United States, there are over 5 million young adults between the ages of 18 and 35 living alone, and the number is growing. Um, and while many of them think by living alone by choice, it can be also socially isolating. Uh, if you're into that whole social thing, the situation is similar to many of the other countries, especially in Asia. So in South Korea, they, they've, they've come up with this robot idea. Uh, and if you look at the little picture of the robot, it almost looks like a uh, My Neighbor Totoro type of little robot thing. It's got like got like big eye, little like a little like it's all black. So it's got two little eyes and like big like ear looking things on it. And you set it <laughs> on its counter, and it doesn't have any. It has a listening device in it, but it's a listening device that doesn't pick up audio. And as it's in your house, it starts uh, listening to what you do in the background. And it's it picks up subtle things like using a microwave or doing laundry or opening the refrigerator. And what this robot does is so you're socially uh, ostracized or isolated or something, but you can also connect it to other friends that have the same Freebo device. And what it does is it'll send kind of like social media type messages to to the other people like, oh, such and such is eating. So maybe that you guys <laughs> could send a text message to start talking or something about what they're eating or whatever. Just and it kind of keeps an eye on, on what you're doing and it sends that information out and it keeps an eye on what they're doing and sends that information to you. So it's kind of a thing that you might be isolated and alone at home, but it makes you feel better because other people are doing the same thing that you're doing at the same time. Ah. So you feel like you're less isolated, even though if you're not really directly communicating with them, you know that they're out there and they know that you're here. So it's almost like, Oh, you know, you're bored and you hear that Steven's making a sandwich and you're like, fuck it, I'm hungry. I'm going to go yeah. to Steve's house. Maybe he'll make me a sandwich. So now <laughs> it's time for Rob to put the creepy spin on it. Go. Rob, how can you fuck this robot? <laughs> <laughs> well, the sad thing is, is when you start having sex with this robot, it starts sending a message to your friend. He's, he's fucking me, Ray. And then your uh, friends of Totoro is like, hey. He's doing the same thing. <laughs> I would like some of that juice, please. So, yeah, I mean, it's cute, but it's, that, it's on a on a scale of one to ten on the fuckability scale. It's probably mm-hmm. a two. I mean, it's, does it doesn't. It looks. It doesn't looks do like much it's for him. Flat. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't do much for me. I mean, it's a robot, oh, so no. it's automatic too. I just think. Right. I just think like. I don't know. I kind of understand the concept of it, but what instead of like a robot thing, couldn't they just make an app for it? And then, like, I mean, well, I mean, it's a South Korea thing, you okay. know. <laughs> like our, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's a South Korea thing. You wouldn't get it. Like my life's so boring. It would be like, oh, Stephen just woke up. Stephen took a shit. Stephen's eating food. Stephen sits down <laughs> you know, and plays what? video games. Stephen wakes up. <laughs> Stephen takes a shit. <laughs> Freebo, Freebo helped break the silence and emptiness I felt at home after work. It is a different experience from the TV because it gives information about my friends' activities. The robot seems like a living creature. I usually do not get in touch with people, but nowadays listening to activities has become part of our conversation. The amount of conversations has increased as I contact my friends instantly when I feel like doing so. That makes sense because I bet their social media aspect of theirs way different than ours. I mean, ours yeah, were, could be, were yeah. shoved in, it's shoved in our face every day, and we it, and it, and part it of does our day. have privacy. It does have privacy settings, so if you're like. I mean, because this thing will track when you go take a shit, okay? So it's Steve. like, Stephen had a bowel movement today, you know. Yeah. So you're like, Stephen's yeah. making his fifth sandwich. Yeah. 
See, uh, this thing would never work in America. You want to know why? No videos, no pictures. It would just be yeah. audio notifications. People, people couldn't do it. Right. Uh, I'm not sure I want a video of you taking a shit, Steve. You know, you <laughs> in do, the field instance. study, in the field study, the participants experienced a sense of realism of their friends because <laughs> of their information delivered by Freebo in real time. The increased sense of reality made one feel physically closer and brought a sense of confidence. Or wait, co-residence. Uh, this indicated that Freebo has provided the user with virtual living space shared with friends. The virtual living space formed by Freebo has a commonality with the state of living together is that intimate communication is possible, but there is a big difference in the presence of a robot middleman. Hmm. Uh, okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a cool little idea. I mean, I don't, I necessarily wouldn't use it because I mean, I, we talk to each other all day long right. back and forth, you know, it's like, meh. but you know, they have a whole different culture. I mean, look, I've watched, Videos of K-pop and K-drama. Mm-hmm. They're weird over mm-hmm. there, man. I'm just going to come yeah. out and say it. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, this thing's a lot like, I mean, the, the Apple Watch and like your uh, Fitbit. Your Fitbits. They tell you like, hey, stand up. Hey, go for a yeah, walk. Uh, hey, do this. It's not that different. Yeah, my my uh, sister's fiance, he was playing Fortnite the other night and he got to like number two, you know, out of the hundred. Uh-huh. And like his Apple Watch started making like weird noises. And I was like, I was like, what? There? I was like, what the hell's, what the hell's that noise? He's like, oh, it's my Apple Watch. My heart rate's up too much. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, that's crazy. So when he said that, yeah, that's just true. I mean, calm down, Turbo. Yeah, that's cool. Hell yeah, man. Well, Rob, I think this thing is only a roll of duct tape and a flashlight away from being date night. So, <laughs> and it's not my, it's not my type. It's too not skinny. your type. Too skinny for me. <laughs> Oh, you like more of a Wally than an Eli. Yeah, I sent a picture to you guys so you can see what it looked like. That does remind me that. Oh, um, I can't wait. My neighbor Totoro. Oh wow! Yeah, holy cow! It also reminds me of the. Did you guys ever play Mario? Was it Mario Two? They had those weird little like ninja pigs that would jump up and down. Yeah, yeah. Kind of looks like those too. Huh, interesting. Ugh, can you imagine that thing like you like you get up in the middle of the night and take a piss and you just see that like the eyes glow <laughs> glow white just sitting on the corner. And it blinks yeah. twice. <laughs> or winks at you. The weird thing is it it's not like an Alexa because it doesn't pick up the voices or anything like uh-huh. that. It literally that doesn't have that kind of communication. But it literally can pick up the sounds of you washing dishes or and you mm, go, Oh of me. such and such and such as washing dish, dishes or taking a shower. <laughs> you guys get notifications, Sean's peeing again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like there's like a candle. Why would we need notifications? Half the time you're on the internet with us while you're doing it. Hey, I'm, you know, yeah, pee sometimes. Sometimes you don't take your headset off and you're playing Xbox. And by the way, Sean, you were right about the, it's only a step away with of, uh, some duct tape and a flashlight because there's a candle already lit in the picture. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, don't be telling all my secrets. I took that picture. Wait, is that a picture of Rob on the He's R two G ready to go. Oh man, BRB R two G. Well, I, I think that's enough for the news. We could keep going all day on that. Um, so yeah, the main story. Rob is recording a podcast. So is Sean. So is Preston. So is Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Rob, man, you wanted to you wanted to kind of get to this Denver airport uh, business a while back, and so here you are, and here we are. So, 
um, we'll, we'll kind of get into. Is there anything at all starting off that made you interested in this in the very beginning, man? Is it just one of those things you stumbled across? Okay. The whole Denver airport thing is probably one of the first times that I really got into strange conspiracy stuff and paranormal. Uh-huh. I had been playing a, a role-playing game called Conspiracy X, and it was done uh-huh. done by Eden Studios. And it was kind of like the X-Files role-playing game. It was kind of like an X-Files type of role-playing game. And <clears throat> so I was really heavily into Art Bell at the time. That was back when that show used to be good, when Art Bell did it. Oh, yeah, and, Coast uh, to Coast and all that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I pay for it every month, and I probably never listen to it. And because George Norrie has ruined the ruined the format of yeah. Coast to Coast. It used to be like, oh, a four-hour episode would be about, you know, one topic. Now it's like he wants to do these two-hour episodes where, oh, it's about special medical information and psychic ghosts. And okay, come on. Stick with yeah. one story. Don't. He's become kind of like a uh, variety show. Yeah, and it's not it's not as good. Um right. but back in the day Art Bell and and I got interested in all that and I found this story on rents.com R E N S E about uh about the Denver airport and all the strange things that were involved in it. And I got this is back in the day. I'm talking about this is 56k modem territory, right? This is <laughs> this is in 1998. Um and I'm living with my ex-wife at the time. We're not even married and I'm just getting into this. And then she gets into it and we start investigating these weird pictures. She had uh-huh. been to the airport. She remembered things like those weird murals being there and just how odd everything looked. And, you yeah. know, it was something we even started a Yahoo group back in the day about conspiracy stuff. Yahoo group. <laughs> uh, so it's awesome. Yeah, it was. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's, it's definitely where I started, you know. Nice. Kind of your origin story, huh? <laughs> right. We're going to two movies for well, that one. Um, <laughs> We're well, going to reboot it like six, six shows in, though. <laughs> no, no kidding. Well, I'll get into it. You feel free to chime in where you want and with information you may have on top of what I got. I kind of just – I'm doing kind of a spark note here mm-hmm. about it. And then uh, Preston will kind of jump in um, towards the the second half here with me. But – um. So basically, Denver Airport is in Denver, Colorado. Who would have thought? And well, um, actually, I'll it's refer- kind of fifty miles outside the city of Denver. Oh, thank God you were here, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's also referred to as the DIA, which is the Denver International Airport. Mm-hmm. And so, here we are. Um, this thing is huge. First of all, it is about fifty-two and a half square miles, somewhere around. 33,000 acres and it is the largest airport in the U.S. by total land area and on a fun little note it has the longest public runway in the United States and this thing did not get started without its share of problems. Back in um, the early 80s the Denver Regional Council of Government surveyed about six areas and discovered the area Rob you just mentioned about 50 miles outside of Denver Mm -hmm. And they decided we really need to replace our current airport because there is just all sorts of shit wrong with it. So in the later part of the 80s, September 89, uh, Mayor Frederico Pena and his federal officials say, look, here's 60000 60, $60 million. Go build us a new airport. So two years later, Mayor Wellington Webb inherited the mega project and they then gave the project a scheduled open date 
of October 29, 1993. They gave themselves about four years to put this thing together, which should have been plenty of time to build a flipping airport. But due to poor planning and repeated design changes and flaws, um, also given out by the United Airlines, the project just hit a rash of reschedulings and setbacks. And originally, it's supposed to then be pushed back from October to December of 93. And then, of course, more chaos following the pattern. Um, airport construction changed. They got hit with tons of zoning laws. And it got pushed back to March 1994. Um, then they suffered a big strike by some of the workers and some other problems arised. And the puppy got pushed back to May 15th, 1994. Blah, blah, blah. You fast forward things. It's now April 94. And they're like, check it out. We have a brand new automated baggage system. It's going to be the state of the art system. No one's seen one like it before. Come, come check it out. And then if you can imagine like a carousel on meth. It's got bags just fucking flying off of it whenever they turn it on. There's clothes getting strewn about. Um, people's effects are getting put underneath the system's tracks and destroyed. Um, actuators are moving luggage just willy-nilly, and they're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, maybe we should go back and put in a regular system. So all that happening um, around May <laughs> May 15th now is the actual date they were going to – is that right? May 15th. Yes. Wow. The controversy continues. <laughs> they installed a regular uh, baggage system, and on September 25th, 1994, the airport hosts a fly-in that allows people to finally come in and see how things work. Everybody gets checked off, tests go as planned, radios work, and bada-boom, bada-bing, finally, February 28th, 1995, <laughs> only 16 months behind the scheduled opening date, at a cost of $4.8 billion, that's only $2 billion over budget, this monstrosity finally opens. And that is where we get to the good stuff. So, Rob, a lot of weird shit really just kind of piqued your interest, and that's what we're going to jump into. All right, so lots of rumors have been talking about the Denver International Airport, and some uh -huh. of the rumors are stuff like, Hey, the central government of the United States will be moved there in case of a apocalypse or something like that, because mm -hmm. there's just miles and miles of tunnels underneath this airport, and right. and they continue to go on, uh, you know, for for long distances. You can tell from where you get the last drop off is. Oh yeah. Um, so that's one of the first things that really piqued my interest is okay. Uh, there's this large airport here. It's got all these tunnels underneath there. That seems weird. It's in the middle of the United States, uh, mm -hmm. and also there were lots of rumors that uh, th this airport is actually built on top of another airport that they had to demolish because it didn't <laughs> reach what they wanted. So how do you hide a secret government base? Build, it on top build over it. top of it and say yeah. something happened. There you go. Um, people theorize that there may be anything from vast networks of underground tunnels to, uh, constructed by the New World Order. There could be command bunkers for the New World Order, a post-apocalyptic fallout shelter, Wait, the wrestling group? an entire – right. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> um, there could be an entire five-story – Yeah, we can't listen to Preston on this podcast because obviously he's going to be Denver a disinformation Nazis. expert. I hate Denver Nazis. <laughs> now, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Preston's whoa, coming twofold. <laughs> he's going to give us information and he's going to disarm our information too. I'm not saying it's Freemasons, but 
Press I'm not saying it's Nazis, it. but it's uh, Nazis. One of the other things in the tunnels that I always thought was weird and what I heard people that actually had <laughs> been down there had talked about, mm-hmm. that these tunnels, there's all kinds of areas that are marked off limits due to uh, biological hazards. Correct. And somebody, so, uh, if you ask them, they're like, there's a type of fungus down there that's really toxic to humans. Uh-huh. Uh, we can't clean it. Or lizards. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Preston. <laughs> I'm getting there, fucker. Uh <laughs> But uh, but when you look at the fences, the fences are built instead of being built like the 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 spikes, the razor stuff, wire, the razor wire and stuff built to keep things from uh, from the tunnels getting in. It's actually built to keep anything in there from getting out because they're facing oh. inward. Uh, that's yeah. one of the rumors. However, that has been debunked according to what I read when I was mm-hmm. looking at this originally. Apparently, those pictures that were shown were not anywhere in the Denver airport. Those were fake at Auschwitz. you know let's face it okay this story when i was investigating it was in 1998 so um you know it's things a lot of a lot of things were different back then <laughs> like internet internet was a lot different back then people <laughs> would say whatever they wanted to and there was nobody to go yeah that's fucking bullshit there is people right. now doing that but before it was like huh well right yeah Okay, but um, so there, are, there were also outbreaks of fungus as well as just naturally occurring fungus. There were reports of fungus and molds being um, discovered, quote, outbreaks, and parts of the airport supposedly had to be shut down and flushed of these uh, these spores, too. Mm. I mean, and it's possible. I mean, it's also lizard people underneath there, and they're taking our children oh, yeah. in, in Denver. And That's all it them. is. That's what uh, David Icke has come out and said so and <laughs> and he knows all about the queen king and queen and george bush and everybody being lizard people in disguise right because he was high as a kite watching uh v back in the day probably <laughs> v v oh, hell yeah awesome. uh did i ever tell you about the story about the tunnels underneath el dorado and how we went down in them type of thing underneath the hot rod cafe do you know about all that um, I don't no. yeah. bring that back up. Um, at the end of the show, bring okay, that back I, up. I will. It's pretty cool. And no, cause that's cool. Um, I have a slight story about that, but, um, also a, a former airport construction worker claims the reason why the airport took so long to make and why they fell so far behind schedule is there were five multi-story buildings built underneath the airport and they were then buried underneath the current airport. So that kind of further uh, supports the idea of maybe being like a FEMA concentration camp under there or some kind of, you know, presidential compound. I mean, all sorts of weird stuff. And then he concurred as well. There are complex series of networks and tunnels underneath it. And he said the tunnels, from what he was told, go on for miles. Like mm-hmm. they could go clear into other states, into the country, you know, vastly. Uh, like there's the an country. underground network to bring our government officials to there in a massive amount. Exactly. Underground. Yeah. Exactly. That is and that is pretty interesting. But also, it seems like that would be really hard to <laughs> build. Yeah, it would have been had. It would have had to have been something that had been, of course, you know, under construction pre pre airport. Oh, yeah. You know, but I mean, stranger things have happened. And something else that kind of supports that is level one of the airport is inset into the ground, quote, to protect from vibrations coming from underneath. 
Baseboard characteristics led on by this way of their technical design say that they are meant to absorb vibrations and shock from public trains that go back and forth from um, concourses A, B, and C. But they also said if you're walking through it, the airport tends to kind of feel like you're walking uphill at some points and then downhill. And they said some of the floors and the levels aren't quite numbered correctly. I couldn't find much more about that. What in the fuck? Sorry. (laughs) That was, I'm looking at this conspiracy theory page and you know how the fucking ads are. God damn. Sorry about that, guys. Scared the fuck out of me. That's awesome. Scared the fuck out of me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, (laughs) I love it. It's staying in there, too. I have that kind of power. Beyond all that, the last little bit of architecture was the strangeness behind the orientation of the runways. And I've looked at this picture, uh-huh. and you have to really want to see a swastika to see this. <laughs> right. You really saying, have to be to want it. <laughs> now, okay, I mean, let's I would, not, you don't got to reach that far. I, I mean, think it's you can find it. <laughs> yeah, really? Because it's not really there. <laughs> okay. So one of the initial problems you had with Stapleton, the original airport that this one replaced, was – the runways were too close together, running parallel, and if you had inclement weather, which happened usually about, oh, I don't know, 150 days out of the year, you had to cut down the number of arrivals into your airport per hour from 80 to around 30. So for half the year, you lost over half of your arriving airplanes because of just how crappy the runways were designed. So the other conspiracy here is that there is an ode or a salute to Adolf Hitler because the new runways are parallel swastikas or basically two-legged swastikas or double-line swastikas or whatever you want to call it. So they say, uh, like Rob said, you have to kind of really look for it. They don't argue the fact that these are built like um, you know 45-degree angles coming out from a mid, uh, mid-terminal. But a lot of people seem to think they are swastikas. But they argue that, no, you can just use these more efficiently and you could have four runways going at once. You could have a lot more, you know, entries and exits going on. And it is surely just a design standpoint that seemed to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Others believe Nazis. 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 Why did it have to be Nazis? Denver Nazis. Denver not The worst kind of Nazis. Okay, so now enter... The Freemasons. When the airport was dedicated on March 19th, 1994, of coast, uh, of coast, of course, before it actually opened, a capstone was placed inside the airport to memorialize it. The, de- <laughs> the depiction, the dedication stone displays the Masonic symbol of a compass with the letter G capitalized. And that G, of course, stands for what, Preston? Geometry. Oh, really? Sacred geometry. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Fucking lame. What do you think it stood for? I don't know. Something cooler than geometry. <laughs> 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 I mean, that explains the uh, the compass and everything on there, I suppose. But So underneath the symbol, the New World Airport Commission is credited with helping fund and build the airport. But there was now, not a New World Airport Commission to be found. Yeah, airport officials have said that there was a commission for the new, quote, world airport, 
But the wording misleads people to believe that this was put on by the New World Order conspiracy, saying that the entire world is ran by a select group of leaders and, you know, higher ups in the 1%. So it depends on how you read it. It Those should goddamn say Freemasons again. <laughs> so it reads as the New World Airport Commission, but basically it means it is the new worldwide airport or an airport that can support, you know, worldwide travel, blah, blah, blah. Like but every people, airport. Mm-hmm, there you go. But um, the Masonic symbol ties into the conspiracy Freemasonry very well because this whole damn airport is a secret, as is the secret fraternal society that allegedly is the largest in the world and may have existed far back as the middle ages the illuminati uh-huh 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 since the secret societies had many powerful members throughout history people have long been suspicious that the freemasons were looking to seize power and or freemasons are the new world order wrong and that's what we thought you'd say Preston. that's just what a illuminati man would say yeah. Wrong. You say you just sit around eating corned beef, drinking Guinness. I say bullshit. <laughs> They're coming so, for our airports. <laughs> they took our capstones. And something else, they say the capstone is at the base of a time capsule. That is not to be opened till 100 years. That supposedly has all sorts of goodies from when it was built. But I don't know. Um, a fun fact here. Preston, and this is how we have you dead to rights. Conspiracy theorists have pointed out that if you add up the numbers on the airport's dedication date, you get... 666. You get 33, which is reportedly the highest which level of Freemasonry. 10 times 33 times 2. Yeah. 666. Rob, Rob just said. they need to teach you more math in the home. <laughs> No, two times thirty-three is sixty-six times ten. Uh-huh. Be, oh, it's six hundred and sixty. Shut up, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, plus six. It's night, night time. You're pulling to me, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, is this true, Preston? Is the thirty-third degree the highest degree you can get in Freemasonry? Uh huh. Does it want to answer that? Yeah, we're here. What happened? I don't know. It just started cutting out. I couldn't hear you guys. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. The Illuminati has got to Preston. You don't tell these fuckers nothing. You hear us? You don't tell them anything. (laughs) So supposedly if you add one and nine for the 19th and one nine nine four, you get 33. So this would support this conspiracy if you manage to leave out the other three for the month of March. So technically you get 36, which might actually really mean there are 36 degrees of masonry. Preston, can you confirm or deny? Uh, there's only 32 officially, right? Yeah, there's only 32 officially. And uh, I don't know. There's some like nutbags out there that say that there's like even more secret groups out there and you could get like a 96 degree but that's a bunch of bullshit. So, that's oh, what how we would you know? You Maybe you haven't got to that level yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh look, um, I'm Preston. I'm the top of the masonry now. Dirt, 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 dirt. Oh, we're so mean to Preston. <laughs> I build things in my spare time. <laughs> this whole time I build Preston's UFO like, lamps. <laughs> Preston's like, I love building stone archways, and they just won't quit making fun of me. <laughs> oh. But the Mason-dedicated capstone isn't the only creepy bit of unusual art 
that's displayed in our old DIA. Dun, dun, so, dun. <laughs> on level five of the Japesian, Japison terminal, I think that's how you pronounce that. There are a series of murals that are pretty bizarre in nature, painted by famed artist Leo Tanguma. And these murals tell a strange story of an apocalyptic apocalypse. It's very strange. So strange I can't pronounce it. The murals tell a story of a apocalyptic. Uh, it's bio- known as a, a soda lips, not a <laughs> I call it an a soda apocalypse. So it tells a story of a post-apocalyptic <laughs> war-torn country of famine and other things like dying children. Yes, these you have to actually look these murals up because yeah. uh, even if they're even if you believe the official story, which years ago I didn't, but now looking on it, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense because they're kind of like anti-war propaganda and how yeah. Uh, but when you look at these things, I mean, it's Darth Vader's take Darth Vader mask, like gas mask looking dude in a robe slicing a sword and all these dead babies laying on rocks and rubble and and, and women holding children that are dying and mm-hmm. and glass coffins filled with the extinct animals of the world and it's like the fuck is going on in this place it's <laughs> right. at an airport where children can see it yeah, yeah it's, it's really very strange. odd and it doesn't make any sense why it's there uh, yeah it, it, they're telling a, a story of- but the story would give me nightmares Oh yeah, and this, it's so it's it's a series of murals basically depicting bio warf- bio warfare and extinct animals and world peace and everything else. And basically, again, this supports that whole new world order thing because it's got a real strong like one world power mm-hmm. taking over the rest of the world, killing children, and they're taking you know, our weapons and turning them into plowshare plowshares. Yeah, everything and, else. And by a German child, a German child taking our weapons and turning them into plowshares? Why would you Rob, ever trust da. Germany to do such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> because we have a swastika-shaped runway. That's why, Rob. Okay, so as strange as the art is, the art was chosen through a project selection panel made up of community members, artists, and it was all approved by several government committees and the then mayor of Denver before being basically permitted to be installed in the airport. So it's not like they're like, uh, hey, go paint some pictures. We trust your judgment. He's just like, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. No, they saw the artwork and they permitted him to go ahead and install of it, install it and didn't think people would be very suspicious of it. Yeah. And, and from what I understand, the original uh, murals have actually been changed. From what I oh really? They've painted over them because it's, I've heard this, and uh-huh. every time I look up the murals, it never shows the pictures of what they look like now. They always shows the, the crazy <laughs> pictures from back then, right? So I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, and I I concur, Rob. I couldn't find. I heard rumors of them being painted over, but everything I look at is like modern day looking photos of the same things. Mm-hmm. And there's so there's one mural called Peace and Harmony with Nature. Um, it's called In Peace and Harmony with Nature, and it addresses the destruction of the environment. It features several species of plants and animals. Some are painted as just ghostly silhouettes or outlines or almost ghosts uh, representing things being wiped out. And amongst them, there are many different um, races of humans as well. There's another one titled Children of War. Wait, if I could read my own writing. Holy crap. Children of the World Dream of Peace. 
And this is supposed to represent the desire to get rid of violence in society and how children are our future. But it, oddly enough, it has a quote featured from a child who died in Auschwitz. So again, more more German undertones. But yeah, you've got you know pictures of people being wiped out. You've got this guy, like a green army man wearing a beret and like a gas mask, almost Darth Vader-y, with a giant saber. And at the end of the saber, he is stabbing or a impaling dove. a a peace dove. And there are mm. dead children strewn about. But in the other one, um, the one about children of the world dream of peace, you've also got children gathering up weapons and wrapping them up in a U.S. flag and a British flag. And then you've got, you know, animals inside of glass boxes like they're being preserved. So it's it's all real strange. And you can go let's on not, and you can. Uh, let's huh? not forget about all over the airport, the gargoyles. Oh, I forgot about that. There's gargoyles hidden. Are, are they gargoyles inside? Two gargoyles located in the baggage claim area. Yeah, Weird. there's there's gargoyles hidden in the baggage claim area. They're and not I mean, really there's, hidden. I mean, they're just gargoyles oh. in su- inside of suitcases. Oh, okay. I, I read that thinking they were being hidden. <laughs> <laughs> I found a gargoyle in my bag. And gargoyles are protective creatures that protect against demons. So you have like, you know, the apocalypse taking place. Makes sense that they would put, uh, you know, gargoyles around the joint. That's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't think about that. But there are also supposedly there's other weird symbols on, on different walkways. You can find like initials that have been carved into walls. You can find um, yeah, different. And, and if you and if you read that, people are like, that's the uh, Nazi word for such and such. But then you yeah. actually look it up and it's like a Native American word that means like spirit or animal or something like that. Yeah, there's and then people said they also have found different periodical table uh, element mm-hmm. abbreviations. In, in the walkways and stuff, which people it's, claim that was a poison that was created, and that they yeah. thought that that was gonna. But if you look it up, it was like that's no, it's golden. It's oh, it's the term for gold and silver. <laughs> yeah, <A-U-A-G. laughs> and they're like, no, they want you to think that it's the uh, some kind of gas that can be created with two elements, and that's like, okay, you know, Occam's razor, the simplest, yeah, <laughs> the simplest, simplest solution, yeah, probably the truth. I mean. There's there's the list goes on and we've left some things out. It's it's a ridiculously fun thing to look up, and I mean I, I'd urge people to go on there and look it up themselves. Past what we've talked about, but um, as far as murals go, that's not the strangest artwork in um, the actual airport itself. But Actually, Preston, I think got, it is. But, you think so? Oh yeah, I think that artwork is just creepier than this Lucifer. <laughs> well, Preston, go ahead and take it away and tell us a little bit about this uh, this statue. Right. Well, his official name is Blue Mustang. He stands 32 feet tall, weighs over 9,000 pounds, and is a evil-as-fuck-looking blue horse with piercing red eyes. It's huge, bitch. The locals call him Lucifer Diablo, Satan's Steed, Denver's Doom Horse, the Untamed Mustang of the Apocalypse, and the Blue Stallion of Death. And, and also, more- may I interject, the force, the fourth Horse of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. And to make it more confusing, he's got another official, official, true artist given name, El Mastino, or the Mustang, or, you know, the Untamed. So he's got a lot of fucking names. Apparently, he's a Khaleesi, too. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 30 foot, t- uh, foot tall sculpture of a seamlessly bloodthirsty Bronco is the work of artist Luis Jimenez. 
and commissioned as public art for the airport in 1994. So, like, when you were talking about how, like, they were dumping billions of dollars, it was Uh commissioned all the way back in 1994, but wasn't installed until 2008. And the commission paid Jimenez a whopping $300,000 for this big beast with an upfront payment of $165,000. I'm so glad he got a good payout and got to spend all that money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but wait a second. There's more, Preston. What? You tell us, asshole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm get. I'm getting there. I got more to. Okay. I got more to the story before that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So the horse represents the wild spirit of the old American West, and it has also come to represent death, destruction, and diluted debates. Okay. That's a lot for a giant blue fucking horse. I know. Now, if you're local to the Wichita area, so like Steve or, you know, listeners, take some time and explore the WSU campus where Jimenez has two commission pieces and one of my favorites, actually, Hal. It is a lone starved coyote, its body forming a triangle, which gives one a sense of direction, and his head's pointed toward the sky, giving out one last howl to be noticed once again and to fight away the loneliness and all that comes with it. Oh, shit, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought that this was Art Hour with Pixelated Paranormal. <laughs> I got sidetracked there for a second. All right, so let's get back on track. So, Blucifer hadn't uh, been unveiled when bad vibes began. In 2006, Jimenez died after a section of the 9,000-pound sculpture fell on him and severed an artery in his leg. Wah. Well, all that money he didn't get to got he didn't get to spend it. Yeah, but his family did, so good for them. (laughs) So two years later, the beast that killed its creator was uh, went on display at the airport, and the horse's cobalt color, glowing red eyes, and fierce face immediately attracted public attention. In addition to rallying against the blue Mustang's ugliness, Denver residents have voiced concerns that the horse is cursed due to its role. And Jimenez's demise. So yeah, he's apparently cursed. Let's That's... let's dig a little deeper, okay? Let's look at uh, <laughs> let's look at the red eyes of old Lucifer, okay? It is said that uh, the eyes represent an homage to Jimenez's father's neon shop sign. The rumor is his father was pissed that Jimenez uh, took up art instead of architecture and decided not to talk to him for years. So it's, he was like, you know what? Fuck you, Dad. I'm. I'm my the- own man. I don't need your opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the horse's eyes red instead of green or pink, and because you know it's more scary. Like, who's gonna be fucking scared of a horse with green fucking eyes? <laughs> it also uh, has been mentioned that the eyes were originally supposed to be lasers shooting out into the sky, but the airport authorities decided against this because uh, you know it might screw up planes flying. You know, overhead and things like that <laughs> cause disasters. So, I mean, I, I thought, you know, disco laser eyes would have been fucking cool, but apparently not. <laughs> disco and, laser And uh, to make eyes. it even more, you know, par- huh? Disco laser eyes. Man, everybody's eyes. cutting out again. God damn it. <laughs> Are you all there? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, to make it even more paranormal, <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk about Lucifer as the Blue Star Kachina. In 1963, Frank Waters, a uh, published fiction writer, published an account of a Hopi prophecy named Blue Star Kachina, 
handed down by Native American elders through many generations. The account came from a minister named David Young who picked up an elderly Native American along a desert highway, so kind of like how we picked up Rob, you know, elderly old guy in a car. And during the ride, the elder named White Feather described the nine signs of the Hopi prophecy. The ninth and final sign was that of the blue star Kachina. The blue star descended from the heavens, removed its mask, and the fifth world emerged from destruction. My Native Some American people, name is Stolen Tree, by the way, yeah. in case anybody's knowing, you know, Rob Wood, Stolen Tree. <laughs> So some people I think if we get him back now, we'll get him back in time for dinner. Uh, the blue star Kachina is a <laughs> fucking giant blue horse, and it's going to take off his mask, and the world's going to come to an end. Dun, dun, dun. Rob, do you remember when we talked about the Philadelphia experience and uh, our uh, pyramid yeah, experience? Pyramid. And uh, it's a Broadway production. Pal, uh, <laughs> Preston uh, Nichols. If. What? Yeah, Did you no. say nipples? Anybody remember that? <laughs> remember that name? What was it about again? <laughs> Uh, so Preston Nichols wrote this book about, uh, you know, how the, 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 they turned on this time traveling device on a fucking ship and people were melded into the ship. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. that, uh, yeah. the Nazis had this, you know, secret time traveling program and, uh, they would steal kids. So like missing 411 and that, uh, uh, that, uh, when they, they would st- Send the kids to the future. One reported this post-apocalyptic world where he went into a uh, uh, like a rotunda area, and there was a giant fucking statue of a horse. And oh. on the first on the first book, there was a picture of a, a blue horse with red eyes. So people made the connection that that horse was Lucifer himself. Really, and that, that, that hmm. might have some connection to uh, you know the apocalypse. Being an apocalypse, and that's where the yeah. government of the world is at. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. So regardless of all this horseshit about the apocalypse and neon red eyes and lasers and things like that and Denver Nazis, old Blucifer does a good job of standing over the airport and keeping a watchful eye. <laughs> he called it horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Hell yeah. So, I mean... That's pretty much it. Isn't there a statue of Anubis out there somewhere too? I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't come across that in my Google. I don't search. remember if that was the case. I don't know. I, some of the uh, conspiracy sites I went to showed a picture of Anubis, but I couldn't find much heads or tails about that yeah. out there. But that's that's pretty much the Denver airport in a nutshell. I mean, I think there's even a museum there or something too. So maybe that's. Uh huh. I mean, I don't think Anubis really fits in with Denver Nazis and you know the Apocalypse Horse. So, yeah, it'd be out of place. Yeah, wouldn't it, Preston? Yeah, everything else just fits so nice and tight together. <laughs> I'd hate to have just uh, an Egyptian statue standing. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool thing, man. There's there's rumors of like a complete shopping center under there, and supposedly Barack Obama went there once to visit. Um, and then if you looked at it, it was coincidentally the same time as a giant meteor had flown past the earth and people are saying that he went there just in case it hit the U S all sorts of crazy stuff, man. Good job, Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Obama. Now here's an idea. When the next asteroid comes by, let's not just tell, let's not tell Trump. Let's just, <laughs> let's see what happens. And that Roll is dice. redacted. All right. Check this out. So you want to hear the story about the underground tunnels of El Dorado? Yeah, yes. do it. All right, Go so check this out. Uh, apparently, there oh, is a fallout. <laughs> no nuts. There's a fallout shelter in El Dorado, 
And there's all these tunnels that lead from there. So in downtown El Dorado, uh, which is like their main street, you have like a bunch of old school buildings. And then you have uh, an old courthouse, uh, mail office. And underneath that, there's tunnels that connect to everything. And they were built uh-huh. for the fallout shelters back in the 50s and 60s. Okay. Hmm. So huh. one day, I didn't know anything about this. I think I might have heard something about it when I was younger, but whatever. So uh, me and my friends, we um, pitched all our money together and uh, went to a person that's now deceased in El Dorado. He's a prominent figure in El Dorado named Mike. And uh-huh. he owned the heart, the, what do you, what do you call it? Hard, it's not Hard Rock Cafe. Hot, Hot Rod Cafe. Hot Rod Cafe. Uh-huh. Which is like uh, you go in there and it's an old, it's like an old uh, like bar and it's got a stage and you people do performances there. Really cool little venue. Like I wish somebody would do something with it because it, it could be good for that town. So we rented like a small little room that was back behind the green room and you walk these stairs down and then there's this just this room. So small. We fit um, drums in there and like uh, one one cab and it was loud as shit but we could be as loud as we wanted to and nobody and then nobody nobody would hear anything so we you know it at first was just like me and then the people that were doing the, the instruments and then it became like hey you guys want to come and hang out like you know the, so we got like six or seven people in there one night and um my brother uh during that time was pretty pretty fearless and always doing stupid shit a way he still does mm-hmm. um and we noticed that there's this door around the corner. And we're like, what the hell's this door? What the hell's this door from? And it was kind of like loose, but we could see like there was like light behind it, like a very faint light, like towards the crack, the bottom crack of the door. And um, we're like, I wonder what's back there. And then next thing you know, my brother is just like, like literally running towards the door and barreled, barreled through the door and like fell down. And Jeez. when he went in there, there was this just, it was really dank and dark. And in the in the background, about I don't know, fifty feet in front of us, to the left, there was a door that had a, that had light coming out from that. And that's where that light was coming from. Tells us so we all went in there. And this is before the like I think maybe one of us had a cell phone, like the razor or something like that. So there wasn't like an, a constant on flashlight. So we didn't have any light basically at all. <laughs> and we went to this door. Right. That door was open, but no, everybody was like totally freaked out. They didn't want to open it. And when I opened it, he like opened it up and in there it was part of the shelter. And in there was a round bed, all velvet, a tripod, and what? yeah, it was I mean, we've all seen porn here. That's what it was. Huh. That's what it looked like. Somebody was filming something there. There was like handcuffs and lace and yeah, so we were like laughing about that. And then so what we did is to see more farther down the tunnel and, and stuff like that, we opened the door and then like faced faced the light so we could see more down the tunnel. And we went down as far as we could before it was just so complete black and nothing, but it went forever. And on, uh. on the sides of the walls, you saw, um, we couldn't read them obviously, but you could feel like metal on there with like paint that was, that wasn't, it felt like it was like starting to peel and stuff like that. But obviously had to say something, probably like instructions on where to go, different different fallout shelters. But yeah, Holy nobody cow. ever brought a damn flashlight back next time to go. Uh-uh. Get After I think we should go and explore. Let's do it. It's but that's the thing though is that it's hard because like we ne- we went back, but they the person that was in charge of like the key 
his name's Zach. He didn't want to be uh, responsible for the door being busted. So he made up an excuse that while we were moving some equipment that it fell down and busted that, that door down, <laughs> that door down. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then we never, we never, we never went back, but like, I don't know how to get down to get down in that. But I mean, it's, if you go to the El Dorado city, uh, and look at like the blueprints of the of the town, like tunnels and all that stuff. That stuff is there. Oh yeah, like yeah, like it, it is there. But I wouldn't know how to go down there. But that would be so cool. I mean, because I know it, it it is a fallout shelter. It was for the the uh, nuclear scare, and yeah, just, I just find it so so cool. Like to be able to go down there with flashlights and see everything would be so amazing. Well, I we have a friend, Steve, a mutual friend. His name was Tom, and. He was quite like, I'll tell you his last name after this if you can't figure out who it is. But he was like an urban explorer and just really big into science and, and everything else outdoors. And he had made like a motorized creep along cart mm-hmm. and had like uh like a helmet with a flashlight he attached to it. And he went and explored some of these tunnels under El Dorado as well. And he ended up like dropping in around like East Park or not East Park, um, Edgemore Park mm-hmm. that had the big triangle slide. And he just got through it and got through it and got through it. And he told me he popped up in the middle of the Frontier Refinery one time. That's incredible. And dudes came running up to him, like one of the security people came running up to him like, what the hell are you doing? He's just like, whoops. And like <laughs> duck, <laughs> ducked back down in the drainage tunnel and like just, you know, escaped. But Holy yeah, shit. He, said, he said it's insane the amount of tunnels underneath El Dorado and probably every every city and town like that. But so he said tunnel, it's it's pretty insane. Can uh, Tunnel Tom get us in there? Um, I haven't talked to old Tunnel Tom in, in many many years, but I'm sure you probably could. By now, I'm sure it's probably infested with you know transients and carny folk. But what? No, there's not. You don't think so? <laughs> El Dorado's greasy, but I don't think they they, they don't have any of that type. You got to watch out on. for those El Dorado tunnels. I uh, got those carny yeah. folk. <laughs> yeah, they smell like cabbage, folk, crusty jugglers, sausage fingers. I don't know. I think that'd be hella cool. It could be pretty neat. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure every you know town, every big city has that kind of stuff. Every small town does. But I just, it definitely I, is creepy. I want to know about know more about the the sex dungeon you found. Yeah, that was really 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 weird because there's a light uh, on, so somebody had to, had to have been down there. Recently. Well, and what's crazy too is you know that almost that almost scares me. Like maybe some human trafficking was going on or something like that on the dark web or some shit. Never know, you man. never know, dude. And that's the thing about I'm not speaking ill of our, you know, quote hometown, but you know, strange things happen in every city. And every city has, you know, a secret society supposedly, or are you the elites and all that kind of stuff. And it's hard to say what happened. <laughs> There's so much redacting in this episode. <laughs> Lots of record scratches. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who owns that business now anymore. Uh, I know there's a rock climbing club down there or like a rock climbing facility or something <laughs> that might be down there. Oh, okay. Like artificial rock climbing. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah, what like, rocks like rock are you going to climb in El Dorado? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, indoor indoor rock climbing. I, I got a buddy I can I can holler at and see if he has any ideas. But The only rock climbing Rob's going to be doing is to get over here to eat that Willie's cheeseburger. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Shout out to Willie's in El Dorado. Um. Yeah. So there we go. Um. I think I want you guys to bring me one in October. You just want us to f- flash freeze it. Flash freeze. 
<laughs> I'll just sit on it all the way there. <laughs> no, no, be nice, not, nice and warm. Yeah, hell yeah, nothing like a good, nothing like a good <laughs> sweaty for you. <laughs> Does that mean that Rob's gonna have Aspergers? <laughs> Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah! Well, is that a good place to stop, guys? Uh, yeah. Sure. Cool. I think, I mean, if anybody else has anything else to add, perfect. If not, we got a pretty solid episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, we got our shout outs and stuff. I, I got something. Oh, yeah, yeah. We always about. do that. So, But that Ready Player One, though. <laughs> yeah, Ready Player One is good. Awesome. That's fun. Um, Rob, you got any you got any TV shows you've been rocking on that you want to you wanna? Well, suggest? I don't really have a TV show that I want to recommend, but uh, I want to know if there's any wrestling fans out there. And uh, I've got a cool story. Uh, I've been friends with a dude named Will since high school, and he does a lot of artwork. Uh, Muse Tap Studios, he goes to conventions and sells artwork. But before he really, he was always into art, but back when he moved away from where I live now, he ended up starting a wrestling school. And they used to have a wrestling federation where it started out in his backyard, where they first had like trampolines that they wrestled on, and people in the neighborhood would come watch. They had like seats in the backyard for people to watch. And uh, eventually they built like a wooden deck and they put mats on it as a wrestling ring. Oh, nice. And then eventually they built, they they bought a real ring, wrestling ring, and they actually rented out stadium spaces and stuff or like, you know, gymnasiums and so on. He actually started his own wrestling federation called Chaos Pro Wrestling, CP Dub. And they got real popular. They were into the hardcore wrestling thing. You know, they were jumping off freaking 15 foot ladders off the, out of a ring onto, guys stacked on tables outside the ring and doing swan dives through them and stuff like that. <laughs> but there was a, there's a kid that were that started out with him when he was like 13. His name was Trevor and Trevor is, um, has been wrestling and he was like, Will was his first wrestling teacher because Will took some wrestling classes and they actually started teaching pro wrestling. And at the time and Trevor actually has gotten, very popular. He wrestles in two different federations up until recently. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling as the character Ricochet. Huh. And also he is the Lucha Libre uh, Wrestling Federation. I can't remember what it's called. Lucha, I can't, Lucha Underground, that's what it is, as Prince Puma. This is what he's been doing. Well, he mysteriously moved to Florida like a year and a half ago, uh-huh. and he just debuted on WWE... NXT this week. Um, That's awesome. And, and it's wow. so, I've met this dude. He's pretty awesome. And like, he showed up and there actually seems like they're really pushing him to win the first ever U.S. title created in the NXT thing this Saturday, which is, this will already be going up after this. But I just wanted to say, you know, watch this kid because this dude is a high flyer. This dude is amazing. I, it's, like when he came to the ring this I went over there Saturday night to or not Saturday night, Wednesday night to Will's house, and that's when NXT was on TV. And this dude comes running in the ring and he runs you know, slides in the ring, runs all the way to the other side of the ropes, jumps like he puts his foot on the bottom rope and then his other foot up on the top rope, does a backflip off the second rope, and then lands in a fucking superhero pose. And it was just the coolest thing to see all my <laughs> friends just fucking explode, dude. Um, that's that is awesome. cool. So he's wrestling as Ricochet, and the most exciting thing about it is he's got his his trunks have the Chaos Pro Wrestling symbol blazoned on the trunks, which Will actually created the symbol for Chaos Pro Wrestling. Oh, really? That's yeah. tight. 
Yeah, that's so, cool. That, what a wonderful homage. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. And he's got like he's got the Chaos Pro Wrestling's thing tattooed on him. Um, and the dude's the dude just. I asked Will, you know, I was, he's the dude. If you've ever watched this guy wrestle, he does a finishing move. Where does anybody know what a moonsault is? That's when you stand on the top rope and you do a yeah. flip and land on the person. Yeah. He does a when you watch him do this, he does a double moonsault. He does two flips in the air before he lands. Ooh, Ooh boy. Yes. Is he is he like big buff? Like how? No, he's he. I mean, he's he's built, but he's a little he's a little guy. He's yeah. but he is quick. He's jacked up. I'll send you guys some videos of him. That'd be cool. cool. But I'm so I'm so happy for Will because See, Luchador's and it was so funny because like. <laughs> Ricochet uh, got got pretty like internet famous because he had a match with a guy named Will Osprey, and they had this real athletic match where they're doing flips at each other, and and I it, it's amazing to see, and uh, it even got heat from like Big Van Vader where Vader was like he hated the match because there was no heart to it, and like basically he got himself a paycheck because he kept running his mouth. About how, how much he hated this match, so he got to wrestle Will Osprey. But it's just it's just amazing that Will has always been about wrestling. And the, the the funny thing is, it was me and Ben that got Will into wrestling. Will never even watched wrestling before he knew us. So funny. And so it's just it's just kind of it's just great to see Will get uh, get to see this like one of his students become big time. That's I mean, because this guy could be winning a you know a title on his first match in WWE. Huh. Uh, and uh, it's and what's really what else is is really cool about it too is like he's been on like Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, and he even main, name dropped Will on that podcast that Will was his oh, first wow. wrestling teacher. You know, <laughs> it's just I'm so happy for Will. I'm so happy for for Trevor. Uh, now his rec- he is actually wrestling under Ricochet in the WWE now. So that's crazy. Yeah, that's neat, man. The Luchadors and the High Flyers; those are always my favorite. I mean, wrestling, say what you want about wrestling. It's fake. It's real, whatever. The dudes are pretty athletic. They're athletes mm-hmm. to me and, and most people. And that's pretty phenomenal what they do. And if you got a dude doing a double flip and a moonsault, that's pretty neat. The dude is doing, it was like, they, his like wrestling promo that he cut for the WWE, like, had him doing backflip burpees on the fucking beach in Florida. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God, people are going to eat that shit up. Yeah. Well, good for him, man. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. That's badass. Hats off to him, man. That's an accomplishment. And Hopefully. I mean, NXT, that's kind of like the the entry level, right, for WWE right now? Yeah, that's their development group. Yeah, that's neat. But I mean, even NXT is getting a lot more publicity than ever oh, before, Oh, people are man. saying they're loving the NXT stuff now. It's, oh, it's yeah. gotten pretty popular lately. Yeah, and dude, that's neat. And what is, what is so cool is like uh, people like were, were like chanting Ricochet as he came to the ring for the first time. Like they've made a big push for him. Like they had, it's a five man or six man, six man uh, ladder match that they're having for this new title that they created for, and uh, and like they had five people for it, and then like and then uh, then like Hunter uh, Triple H says, and we've got our sixth member of this match, this title match, and he opens up the door and out walks Ricochet, and (laughs) he got to a huge pop, you know. Wow, that's pretty neat. And who knows, in October, hopefully we'll meet the one, the only Master Splinter, Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to challenge him to a TLC match. You heard it, folks. No. <laughs> so we sit down and we karaoke scrubs and waterfalls. <laughs> the entire fan mail album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so man. anyway, oh, wow. that's all I wanted to say. Please watch NXT and, 
and just get a yeah. feel of who Ricochet is. Look him up. He's got an internet following, and it's just it's so cool to know that somebody that I know is a wrestler, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Hell yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, Steve, what are you watching, man? Uh, other than that, I've been um, watching Better Call Saul Season 3. That's awesome. Right. Really intense. And then uh, Ready Player One. Like, that was that was unbelievable. That's fun, dude. We were, we were so, loud yeah. in that theater, weren't we? Yeah, we were. Oh! <laughs> we were, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just so cool, man. Like, it's one of the movies that just make you smile, especially if you appreciate... Um, seventy and eighties and some nineties culture, like you're yeah, just dude. like fuck. It's so yep. it's so cool to me. It was pretty fantastic, man. Well, um, uh, Jessica Jones season two has been out for a minute. It was a a pretty good one. Yeah, people are pretty split on pretty split on it. I think me and you picked up what the vibe they were going for. Yeah, yeah, the whole noir detective type thing, which you know what she is, but in that realm anyway. But I don't. I mean. It was kind of hard to pick a villain, you know. Yeah, they didn't really have a solid villain like the first season. But I mean, it's hard to it's hard to go against Tenant as a bad guy because he's a beast. That's true. They set the bar pretty high. Yeah. Well, speaking of Netflix, I watched another movie, a series of movies called Creep and Creep Part Two, and they're kind of a found footage documentary style horror movie about um the first one. It has a dude who goes to be a videographer for a day to kind of like um just follow a guy around and kind of just document what he does. And it kind of turns into like a really creepy kind of uh, not really a horror movie, but more of like a drama or a suspense movie. And, uh, the sequel came out on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix exclusive sequel. And those are pretty great. Creep one and creep two. Yeah. We mean so, to check them out. Sounds yeah. cool. Check them out. They're fun. I mean, they're nothing special, but at the same time, I thought they were pretty special. If that makes sense. So Cool. Don't, ex- don't expect to be blown out of your seat, but I, it's a fun ride nonetheless. I, I didn't get bored with it. so yeah, I keep hearing the downs in a new movie, so I need to check it out. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I think we could go ahead and cut it there, guys. Rob, what are you listening to podcast-wise? What do you want to plug? Uh, Giant Bomb. I think I can cool. think of that I've listened to lately. <laughs> there you go. Okay, fair enough. And Steve, what do you got, man? Uh, I've not listened to anything recently. Uh Trying to work on a new episode for my podcast, Oh Indeed. That's Sweet. O and four H's, Indeed. Check nice. us out on Facebook, all this stuff like that. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Preston, what do you got, man? Uh, well, you know, we haven't had any uh, listener reviews on our iTunes. Yeah. Right so if you guys are listening to the show, do us a favor, give us a review, give us a rating, and we'll read it next show. Hell yeah. We'd appreciate that, guys. Check out Pixelated Sausage. That is Mark, our silent warrior of this podcast's uh, solo show he does. Ow, just savagely punched my keyboard. Yeah, check out his show. It's all about pop culture, anime, anime, uh, just stuff he's been reading, watching, <laughs> everything else, art. It's a pretty great show, so check him out. Pixelated Sausage, Sports Car Unleashed, my favorite NASCAR podcast I've never <laughs> listened to. And if you've got a beard, the four of us do, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com for anything you need as far as beards, beard bombs, beard, anything goes. And use Pixelated Paranormal's very own promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire order. That is nothing to shake a stick at. Good stuff. And then uh, You get compliments yeah. all the time when people smell it. Hell yeah, people smelling that beard, huh? Well, I mean, like the just the natural aroma from it. Yeah, you can smell it. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and then I guess some some foreshadowing news. Uh, we're going to be at Wichicon this year during Riverfest. 
Yeah. And we'll be doing a live show. That'll be on, what is that, June 2nd, Steve-O? June 2nd. It's a Saturday, boys and girls. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Rob will make a special trip down here for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's choking on his applesauce and medicine. Never mind. Yeah. Oops. Um, Sorry. But yeah. And also October um, 20, well, no, October 30th into uh the 31st, we're going to be doing a live 24 hour game stream for extra life at Sir Rob's house. 25 hours. (laughs) No, it'll be fun. We're going to be great. We're going to do some uh, uh, shrooms. Yeah, we're going to do some gaming. We're going to do some. Uh, it'll, it's going to be perfect. I've got. We're going to do some retro stuff. We're going to do some scary games, costumes. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm my going to be. Anyway. I'm going to review craft beer and drunkenly play Super Nintendo for 25 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it like Rob does. Rob does it perfectly. <laughs> it took a lot of practice yeah. to get there. It took it he's took like, months of Xbox Live chat. Yeah, he's like, I've been practicing Rob since slobber on his fucking microphone. He's, trying to make cricket he's like, I've been practicing since Borderlands Two, Xbox Three Sixty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rob gonna uh, review craft uh, uh, almond beer, almond milk beer. Yeah, I'm gonna review craft almond milk beer. <laughs> autumn Autumn Blast pumpkin beer spice. It will be October. There will be pumpkin beer. Holler at your boy. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be fun, guys. We'll have more about that later. But um, I think. It's a good place to cut it. Yep. Yo, cut it. Cut it. All right. Well, Rob, man, thanks for jumping on, dude. It is so nice to hear your voice again. Yeah, don't speak it very often. We don't. I know the nursing home has very tight security, and we're lucky (laughs) to get you out this time. (laughs) We just found him wandering down the highway. It's not a nursing home. It's a retirement home. That's just a nice way to call it. We got to get you back before mid-hour. (laughs) Mid-hour. It's your favorite applesauce and medicine. This makes my head. This has an aftertaste. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for listening. And also, hey, real quick, send us some more listener stories. Yeah. Pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We have an outro. It's got a voicemail and it's also got our email. Send us some stuff. We'd love to uh, read your stories and, and get some more on the air. So please check that out. And thank you so much for listening, guys. We will catch you all next time. Peace. Later. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal.com at gmail.com If you'd like to leave us a voicemail we have that set up too Dial us at 707-523-4263 Again, that's 707-523-4263 We'd really love to hear from you Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal Your guide to the unusual and The Strange We got a little bit of Rob's robots. Yo, cut it. Huh? Disco laser eyes. Huh? Disco laser eyes. Huh? Holiday row.